Hi, this is Carl. We're excited to announce Microsoft's newest developer service called Azure Pipelines, a fully managed CI-CD platform for any app, language, or cloud. Azure Pipelines is integrated with GitHub through their CI Marketplace and free for open source projects with 10 concurrent jobs and unlimited build minutes for their cloud-hosted Linux, Mac OS, and Windows agents. Learn all the details by visiting azure.com slash pipelines. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. I'm Carl Franklin. And I'm Richard Campbell. We're here in Sydney, Australia. We are. NBC Sydney. Not going to do any Aussie accents. It's not no. good. No, I won't. I will, however, point out that NDC stands for the Norwegian Developers Conference. It used to. <laughs> yeah, it used to. And we're in Sydney. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. Like Norway, only different. Is it just N? Yeah. New. New. Nasty. <laughs> Narwhals. <laughs> Nar I don't know. Narwhal Developer Conference. Yeah. So anyway, started out in Oslo mm -hmm. and Norway and been to London and Sydney. Right. Yeah. So and here, here we, we are. are. We're here with Adam Stevenson. We're going to be talking to him in just a few minutes about bots and all that stuff. But first, Richard, we have this little matter of better know a framework. Awesome. Roll the music. All right, buddy. What do you got? This is a story mm. that I read in Ars Technica. Yes. Did you hear about Linus Torvalds? Mm. Is a kinder, gentler Linus now? There isn't a kinder, gentler Linus. <laughs> Apparently, he's going to try. He, yes. he basically said that he apologizes for years of being a jerk, and he's going to take some time off to learn how to be a nice guy. Wow. Yeah. So empathy he, there isn't a nicer Linus yet. No. Right. They're no. refactoring Linus That's, right now. Yes. And a lot of the people who know him very well said it's a nice gesture, but I'll believe it when I see yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be interesting. He's I well mean, he, known for rants. In a lot of respects, I can't blame the guy either because yeah. he, at the very beginning of open source, he, he, one of the largest projects ever led, like he's been at the center of all of the learning mm. that represents the modern open source community. Yeah. And he took a lot of flack. Yeah. And so he did redistributed an awful lot of that flack yeah. too. That being said, you don't have to be a jerk. No, you don't. And apparently a lot of his rants were focused on people who were checking in yep. code that wasn't Linux worthy. It wasn't yes. up to quality <laughs> standards. And so he would, you know. Well, he was so specific about his check-in rules that he wouldn't even look at your code if you hadn't follow the check-in rules in the first place. Right. It's like kind of like a rider. Oh, yeah. You know, the no. green M&Ms. Yeah. yeah. No, his bar was very, very high and very precise. And if you weren't going to jump over it, you, you didn't get to play. Yeah. And he called you names in the process. <laughs> that's right. Hey, that sounds like fun. Anyway, okay. There's, uh, a, there's a better no. Yeah, it's a better no framework. It's a story in Ars Technica, like I said. Yeah. And you can get there by going to 1585.pwop.me. So, who's talking to us today, Rich? Grabbed a comment off a of show 1410. That's back in February of 2017 when we talked to Galena about chatbots. Because I know we're talking chatbots. And yep. I thought, yeah, we talked about chatbots mm -hmm. before. And that's actually from NDC London a couple of NDC Londons ago. So, it's right. a two year old comment, but it amuses me because it is so very topical. Okay. <laughs> this is from Russell Hammett Jr., who said, This episode reminded me of a chatbot that was thrown into the coding block Slack a few days ago. And from the readme, it says, this bot watches Donald Trump's tweets and waits for him to mention any publicly traded companies. When it does, it does sentiment analysis to determine whether his opinions are positive or negative towards those companies. The bot then automatically executes trades on the relevant stocks according to the expected market reaction. 
It also tweets out a summary of the findings in real time at Trump to cash. Oh my. Now that <laughs> That's is a bot. A bot. <laughs> oh man. That bot could I wonder how serious that bot, mischief. <laughs> it's been two years later. It's like, it should you see how much has Trump to cash made? <laughs> Trump to cash. <laughs> <laughs> because the other thing would be the question is which way did the sentiment analysis go? I guarantee it went one way. Because if he's negative, does the stock go up? Because near as I can tell, that's what happened at Amazon. He's been oh, on yeah, Amazon for true. a while. So that's true. Russell, thanks for your great comment. A copy of Music to Code by is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code by, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or via any of our social media, because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. And you better follow the check-in rules or else your ass is going to get reamed out. <laughs> <laughs> You're channeling your inner Torvalds I there. I guess so, yeah. That's good. All right, let me uh, formally introduce Adam. <laughs> Adam Stevenson loves to talk. Yep. Oh, that's that. it. That's the whole yeah, bio. Yeah, that's it. I like to talk. We're good. We've only got an hour, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll hear him around the place sharing his passion for technologies, patterns, processes, and getting software shipped. Azure, Agile, AI, .NET Core, DevOps, Scrum, Clean Code, and Continuous Delivery, to name a few. Welcome, Adam. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show. You ever heard of that Trump cash bot? No, but yeah. I, I would love to build it. That's the <laughs> I, get. I'd love to have the account that it's connected to that <laughs> yeah. can afford to just let a bot decide <laughs> when to buy and sell. To buy and sell. Yeah. It's remarkably easy to do that now. Mm -hmm. I That's know. The, the AI thing. Is yeah. It's a good 20 you minutes You too work. can automate your ability to lose money. That's right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And nobody's going to get in the way of you spending money on anything. <laughs> nope. <laughs> let that happen. Yeah. I feel like chatbots are following the Gartner curve are we in the trough of disillusionment with chatbots right now oh, i love that yeah. yeah look i've been saying i've got a bit of bot fatigue yes yeah but it's yeah it's that uh so i've kind of been spent most of the last 12 months so my general role is just helping people with azure but mm -hmm. mm. i didn't anticipate that i would be working in government agencies universities mm. and banks and financial institutions on chatbots, because traditionally they're not the ones who are pushing the envelope. You know, usually they're being brought they're along pretty with conservative, new yeah. technology kicking and screaming. What is this mobile you speak of? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've got bot fatigue in using them mm. because, yeah. you know, people who build them, it, it's a lot of fun to build a bot, let's face it. It is. And especially to test it and, you know, to talk and chat and see if you get anything intelligent back. But man, I tell you, when it comes down to it, you're on a website and the thing pops up and says, hey, you know, chat with, enter name here. Yeah. And the first question I ask is, are you a bot? Yeah. Now, the bot's not going to say, well, yes, I am. <laughs> uh, and if it's a person, they're going to say no. So, it's a silly question to ask. But still, I like to mess with them. I'm you, like, you and know. And you want to know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you're not a bot, then why did you just give me a recipe for coffee cake? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I didn't ask for it. And that's it's one of the really big problems is that it's a great fun technology, but we've... You know, we've built every, developers have built everything bad. You know, yeah. we did terrible things with access forms. We did terrible <laughs> things with Windows forms. Win hey, forms. speak for yourself, man. <laughs> did you really do purple text on an orange button? Is that what you did? Did you do that? Because I could. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Doesn't mean you should have. Yeah. And it's the same with bots. Because it looks like raw text, developers are building it without getting designers in. Right. And there's no concept of the user experience involved. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's a technology fail. I think it's a, yeah. a design fail. 
I just, by the way, speaking of Windows Forms, I just built an app with Windows Forms. Wow. And for those who aren't, you know, who are new to .NET, Windows Forms is kind of like WPF, but it works. <laughs> uh, it's not focused on, it's not focused on what it looks like. It's focused on productivity and that's Yeah. Well, because the look and feel has sort of set, right? It's, it's set. like They yeah. have set a design metaphor. You really can't get away from it. Yep. Just tell us where you want your stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you still have an opportunity to make bad decisions, right? You sure can. Right? Scatter buttons all over the page. and Yeah. You know. Well, it's yeah. really easy if you just put it all in the one form. If there you have you the form. The form of doom, <laughs> yes. Before spas were spas, we had win forms. <laughs> yes, we hit the win form options panel with just, every option. Just can't run them anywhere. No. Yeah. Except your machine at your desk. Yeah. So what's the latest in bots? If you've got bot fatigue, there must be something new. Well, look, it's, I think for everybody else, it's just after 12 months, I've built a lot of bots. And right. I think mm. we're seeing everyone's on the same journey at the moment. It's the very simple, I'm going to get some productivity by taking all of my documentation and yeah. surfacing it as a bot so people can find it. And so that's fact bots. Right? Fact bots. And right. then, you know, going from the fact bot and then going, well, now I can start building stuff in Azure. There's kind of the general path as everyone's yeah. going, I'm going to do a fact bot and then I'm going to start building some systems where my bot can be a bit smarter and I can start leveraging yeah. some extra things. So taking, you know, like an automating the insurance. So I actually had this experience where I was, got a new car and the insurance process was terrible. Mm. So I had to call up three companies. I had to fill in a paper form. Then I had to, it was generally- Did they ask you to fax it? That's always <laughs> yeah. And it's, I need I need I need I, I need you to fill in this form and then scan it and send it back to us. I'm like, you're joking, aren't you? Right. No, no. That's how we give you an insurance quote. Wait yeah, till tomorrow. Nice. Yeah. And you well, know, 1994 a, called and he says you're going to be out of business soon. Well, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Then and no, this is one of the big guys. insurance companies in Queensland. I'm like, uh, can't work this way. Wow. But yeah, so g going through and doing all of those things and automating those processes and making a, you know big differences to productivity. So, all of that stuff's really fun, but I think the thing that gets me going about bots is, you know, we're, we're kind of very structural at the moment. Mm. I'm waiting for the Shazams and yeah. the Spotify's. We're seeing corporate adoption of current systems. We're seeing efficiencies. But I, I kind of feel like going back to the beginning of the mobile revolution, you know, we didn't see Spotify and Shazam and you know, Uber. I think Netflix Alexa might, might be in that category. I mean, it's very easy to make an Alexa skill and you're sort of tapping into a, a market. That's a good alternative to sort of rolling your own bot is to just use a framework like that where you don't, you don't have to deal with any of the natural language processing. You have slots that have different ways that they can be expressed and you get control. I think the, the, the most important thing about building a bot isn't the, that the interface to the to the speech or whatever, but it's just the context, right? Keeping a context that's intelligent. And you can do that without any kind of Alexa or Cortana or Siri or front end or text or speech or any of that. Definitely. You, you know, you, but just making something that keeps a context and actually allows you to, you know, it remembers what you're doing. And instead of having to ask you all this yeah. stupid questions over and over yeah, again. Yeah, definitely. Like there's yeah. definitely the productivity things around it. Yeah. Now that I'm in the bot, in the bot mode, I keep thinking of new bots all the time. Hmm. So I'm like, I'm, I drive and I use OK Google whenever I jump in the car because it helps me navigate around the best yeah. route. Right. And I say, you know, OK Google, navigate me to Bondi. OK Google, show me coffee shops on my route. Right. And then I've got Bean Hunter that tells me the good coffee in, you know, around wherever you are in the world. Yeah. And then- you know, there's, I've got other apps where I can go, I want to book my coffee ahead. 
I want to roll all that into a bot. Yeah, I want to be able to go. Those are all separate things. They're all separate things. By the time you've gone through all those steps, you've probably had a car accident. That's it. Yeah. Where I should be able mm. to say, I want to go to Bondi, get me a good coffee, yeah. and I want it ready as I drive past. Right. Yeah. I want, <laughs> I want a flat white on the way. And, and, yeah. and literally have, I stopped thinking bot now, like that's an agency kind of thing oh that now God. says, pick what coffee shop, figure out how to order it, order the thing you like. So the next thing it says to you is, I've updated your navigation. Stop here to pick up your you coffee. You guys have Absolutely. first world problems. This is first, <laughs> very first world. You know, if you can't go through a drive-thru and wait three minutes for your latte, <laughs> no, I want to go yeah. as I'm driving past. I want the good coffee. No. And well, he, well, well there you go. Let's get, we really want to get to the next level, right? You actually want the drone to intercept your car while you're still driving, <laughs> right? You just pick your hand out the window <laughs> and the <laughs> coffee is lowered into it. Absolutely. There you go. You didn't even change gears. No. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Drones is my next thing. Yeah, That's really? the, oh, yeah. Absolutely. How about drones controlled by bots? <laughs> That's actually the Stop. next thing. I, Turn around. <laughs> Come back here. <laughs> You're joking, but that is actually my next thing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Why not, right? The question is, who's got access to the bot, right? Yeah. That, well, and I think there's, I think, you know, if I was going to change careers now, I think AI ethicists yeah. aren't going to be looking for jobs anytime soon. No, yeah. no. We're going to have a That's... whole lot of ethical crises. Alexa, launch a thousand drones <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> Go to Bob's house. <laughs> <laughs> Who owns a thousand drones? I don't know. Somebody. It's a couple of bucks. So I found a drone swarm. So yeah. you can actually order drone swarm. <laughs> so you can individually program all of these drones to go and oh do amazing God. things. Can they have like do like acrobatics and aerial shows and things like that and dancing? Well, my thing. So I live on. I live in Queensland, where all yeah. the, the beaches and stuff are. Sure. And yeah. you know, sharks. And I spend a lot of time in the water. Mm -hmm. And sharks are a real concern. And there's a big environmental debate about whether you put nets out or how you deal with shark alerts. And I'm like, uh -huh. what I want to do is I want to use like cognitive services, right. very easy to train a model. There's a heap of research on spotting sharks. I want a drone net. Right. Just flying by on a regular basis. I want them hovering out there yeah. around me, quartering off it. And I'll just tell you if a shark's coming. Right. And that's not hard. Mm. No, no. It's, it's completely doable. I mean, it's very a question doable. of- is that what we want our beach to look like? Is you know the buzz of these? You know the key is you have to own your own beach, <laughs> and then you can do whatever you want. Well, Who would do that? I thought this was far out, and I said it to a friend, and he's like, "Oh, you're just you know, and like people do when you start talking about AI, they're like, yeah. oh, you're a crazy tech guy. That's yeah, never yeah. going to happen.'" Anyway, a week later, I googled it. We're not doing the net concept. Yeah, right. yeah. We're actually flying recon missions with drones now. We're actually we've got them. trials going. Yeah, no, I've, seen, I've seen great them. videos yeah. from drones following a shark because they stand out in the water really well. Yeah, I saw a video and I can't remember where, but of a bunch of drones in the sky and they're all tilted like this, and they're acting as pixels and doing sort of a portrait or a picture. Wow! In the sky, and then they would reconfigure and go to a different place, and then you'd see another picture. Against the sky. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's all just mapping and coordinates and stuff. It's yeah. just nothing really it's software. We know software. We, we can, can do, do software. software. We yeah. can do that. But you know, one big gust of wind. It's a big mess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> suddenly you don't recognize the Mona Lisa anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I do like the idea of that kind of patrolling because I would also think you could probably pick up on people in distress. Sure. Absolutely. You know, arguably before, it's hard for a lifeguard at that low angle. To recognize someone who's foundering out yeah. in the water or caught in the riptide or anything like that compared to 
something that's a, a couple hundred feet above and just in the perfect position to see it. Definitely. This is totally off topic, but on topic of finding people in the water, they've, uh, and I say they, I don't know who they is, but I may imagine it was the Coast Guard, used to use pigeons that have really keen eyesight. And they were trained to see these little red dots. And when they pecked at the red dots, they would get food or whatever. So they'd put them on a glass bottom boat and just looking around. And when they saw, you know, a red life jacket or whatever, something that the human eye couldn't see, they'd be like pecking at it and pecking at it. So they would actually use pigeons to save people's lives. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's cool. complete. I made it up. No, I didn't. <laughs> actually, actually I, I saw it on uh, QI. It was a Stephen Fry thing. Yeah. That kind of pivots me back to the bot conversation is, uh, you know, we've got this, uh, Microsoft's got this he Microsoft Health Bot. Have you guys seen that one? No. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing. You can actually go in there and the idea is, is you type in a symptom. So, I went in there and I just made something up this morning in my right. demo. Mm -hmm. I'm like, my eyes are bleeding. Nice. You got cancer. And you go through and it asks you five or six questions and then it ends up giving you a, a selection of diagnoses. Right, right. I think that's a, one of the really interesting concepts around bots is taking those things that's a massive amount of complexity. You think about the logic behind right. that of navigating all of those different symptoms and coming to a yeah. conclusion. It's a classic expert system. In yeah, AI, classic expert which system. Which yeah. I don't know whatever happened to expert systems, but... Turns out they weren't all that expert. Well, maybe. But maybe the people who programmed them. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting to think in those terms that a lot of these things are coming back around again. Like we talk about the fact bot. Yep. Mm. The expert system bot is a much more advanced fact because it, mm. but it, again, it's what I don't like about fact bots was kind of boring in the concept of fact bot is that it, there is no context. Each mm. question just stands on yep. its own. Right. Where a diagnostic bot like that, an expert system bot, it's all about the context. Yeah. And it can also use te telemetry from your medical devices and all of that stuff as well to give you some more insight. Absolutely. And we got to take a brief break for this most important message. Hi, this is Richard. The Dev Intersection Fall Show this year will be December 3rd to 6th in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand Hotel. The lineup is awesome. Scott Guthrie, Scott Hanselman, Scott Hunter, yes, all the Scots. But also a ton of great industry speakers for some insight on what's coming up in the world of .NET. You know, Core 3 is bringing client technology like WinForms and WPF into play. Could it be time to migrate your existing desktop apps to this new technology? Come learn more at Dev Intersection, December 3rd to 6th in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand. Go to devintersection.com to register and use the code .NETROCKS to get a discount. And we're back. It's Richard Campbell and Carl Franklin here in Sydney. Yay. It's .NET Rocks. We're talking to Adam Stevenson. Mm -hmm. Talking bots and sort of future-minded. I'm wondering, what's the coolest bot that you've created in the last few years? The coolest bot's my coffee bot. I just haven't haven't made it yet. Uh, <laughs> the best bot is the one you haven't written is yet. The one you're working on so now. My, my dad always said to me, he always said, son, in a relationship, you can do be two things. You can either be right or you can be happy. Yeah. Mm, and, mm. and he's like, I've had that my whole life. And so, when I first started building bots, I said, dad, I'm going to build the right or happy bot. And so, it's just a bot that sits there and listens. And using cognitive services, it takes everything that's said. And it streams it off to cognitive services and it logs it all. And then it runs sentiment analysis across it all. Because it has upon occasion happened that my wife said, no, has been upset. And I'm like, oh, I've got to go to Norway for a week. And she's like, you never told me about that. And I'm like, no, I did. But now I've, I've gone and built something that can actually record everything I say. Ah, mm -hmm. oh, this and, is a great thing and for it becomes, men. <laughs> and it becomes searchable That's so, yeah, good for so that I can actually find it. 
And that was actually ridiculously easy. Huh. It turns out that it's highly illegal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little sure. details. Sure. But I went to dad and I said, hey, this is actually really easy to do. This is something my wife's been doing. You don't remember. It was back in 2009, <laughs> Saturday, September 4th, when you said, and, you know, not going to argue with that, but yeah. I guess if there was a recording of it, That's right. it would be even more convincing. Looking to the future, I think that idea of having ambient, so our bots are going to be really popular when, you know, ambient listening is going to just be right. a thing. Right. right. You know, with home automation, we're going to expect to be able to say, yeah. turn off the lights, turn on the telly. Yeah. You know, command-based stuff. But, you right. know, where, where I would relate that to, you're seeing this more and more, is the dash cams in cars. Mm. Absolutely. Right? This idea that when you are driving your car, there is a recording being made, quite possibly forward and backward all of the time. It's in a loop. It's going to throw it away. But if there's an incident, you have that recording. Absolutely. And so at some point, we're going to have a dash cam strapped to our foreheads, essentially. Definitely. Right? Like It's just like you are always keeping a recording of yourself. What you do with it after that is another question entirely. Yeah. It's very black mirror. You know, if, if everything is searchable, there's a lot of benefits to sure. that. It's just a question of, you know, I like the fact that it does go away over time. Absolutely. Right. Like, you know, I've got the desk cams for the wildlife stuff. Like, I always like showing footage of bears in my backyard, especially in Australia, because you guys think you have scary animals. <laughs> and then I throw a 300 kilo bear walking through my backyard. Apparently, I win at that point. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, the nest cam comes with a 10 day retention. Yep. So you can go back. And then after that, it just goes away unless you mark a clip and say, keep that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I just, it's interesting to think in terms of that. But again, yeah. I almost think that's outside of the bot space. That's getting into this sort of personal agent kind yeah. of i'm very f fixated on what comes after the smartphone right now that the smartphone is propagated to absolutely everybody mm. right and we're all cyborgs now we all have digital extensions to ourselves what are the things that smartphones don't do well and that you know the whatever the next thing is will cover off those things and i think this is one aspect of it definitely I guess I, when I think about bots, I'm actually thinking about just conversational agents in general. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I want the the next UI is kind of that no UI. Right. It's, you know, I don't want to have to have a phone or even a watch. I just want to be able to have, you know, ambient listening. And I just want to, I'm going to expect that in my car and in my house and in my office, I'm just going to have things that are listening that I can converse with and actually make things happen the way I want them to happen. Right. And are, and are helping to anticipate need. Definitely. Right. There was briefly an app that came out for the iPhone and you gave it a bunch of permissions and it just sort of, it tracked your GPS behavior, your locational behavior. And ostensibly the app was for optimizing gas prices for you. And so what it would do is figure out when you were driving, where your home was, where your work was, where you shopped, and when you went to gas stations and filled up. And so that it, Fairly quickly, within a few days, it had you didn't have to tell it any of those things. It would derive all of that, and it had a pretty good idea of how full your gas tank was. Mm. And so you got to a point where it's like, you're going to be heading to work soon, because you always had to work around this time, and you've got less than a quarter tank of gas left. This is the cheapest gas prices. That's it, awesome. Well, it also scared the snot out of people, because you know so quickly, this bit of software was able to derive all that information just by how you moved around. Mm. And then the app went away. So, I mean, we've got a creepiness factor here, right? It's just sort of this uncanny valley of we emit enough information that all of our core behaviors and an awful lot of information could be derived by just watching us. Absolutely. And I think that's the, you know, we saw that with Google Glass, a piece of technology that was amazing. Yeah. But it's just socially not acceptable. Well, once upon a time, the smartphone wasn't socially acceptable either. Like, Absolutely. I think the 
Like what, what I'm doing right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You're at work. We yeah. expect you to be socially unacceptable at work. It's true. Give the, me a few minutes. I'll be right back. The the whole glass hole thing in my mind was how you rationalized that you didn't like it. Mm. Right. I think you made up your mind very quickly when you put on a Google Glass, whether you liked it or didn't. And vast majority of people didn't like it. It yeah. was a pretty limited product. Once you were there, once it, at least subconsciously, you didn't like that product, you found reasons not to like it. Absolutely. Mm. Right. And so turning the, one of the great ways to discard any piece of technology is to declare it douchey, yeah. right? Got a blue glowy thing on your ear, right? That douchebag, right? There you go. That's not important. <laughs> they can't use that anymore. Can and you it, say douchebag on .NET right? I don't know. It's a good question. I think when the visor is good enough, it's going to do exactly what the smartphone did. You know, long time smartphones were poo-pooed mm. until you handed it to someone and it grabbed them. Absolutely. It just took, it, it, I got lucky that I did this the right way, right? The daughters got smartphones first. I always had one, I, you know, but it was a weird geeky thing for me. The daughters want them, so they get them. Now they're coming to the dinner table with them and annoying the wife, right? And she's like, I think we need to make a rule, no phones at the table. I'm like, I'm not opposed to that, but before you do that, and I got her a smartphone. <laughs> and then we all had smartphones at the table and everybody was happy. All right. Now everybody's got one. Now shut up. That's it. Well, it, it, but it worked that way. It's like, what does social acceptance look like yeah. when we're all on board? That's all it is. So the moment the product is compelling enough, I mean, you think about a HoloLens, which look, you know, okay, I'm wearing giant ski goggles of doom, yeah. you know, with the weird brain surgery cap attached. But I'm having more fun than you are. Exactly. <laughs> well, that would be exactly it. I wore my Google Glass out a couple of times. Yeah. And the reaction fairly consistently was, can I try it? Yeah. Now, if yeah, the yeah. experience when I put it on them was, holy cow, and now I can't get it back from them, social acceptance. Yeah. yeah. But if the experience was, what the heck is this? Boom, I'm a glass hole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's the same line. We're going to cross Absolutely. that same line. Yeah. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? It must be that happy time again. Yeah. It's time to replace the bad bit bot with a big butt bot because I like big butt bots and I cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, not a bad bit. No, that's not bad at all. All right. Well, it's actually time to give away a $200 Amazon gift card compliments of progress telerec to one lucky member of the dotnet rocks fan club but first let me tell you about the most comprehensive developer toolkit for building modern apps on the market today telerec devcraft with more than 1100 telerec.net and kendo ui javascript components and controls you can easily build modern high performant web mobile and desktop apps as well as chatbots the tool set also includes reporting solutions automated testing and productivity tools and comes with a range of support options. New this year is a free online training program for all license holders. And with this, alongside thousands of demos with source code, comprehensive docs, and a full assortment of Visual Studio templates, you'll be up and running with the Progress Telerik and Kendo UI tools in no time. Download a free 30-day trial today at Telerik.com slash download. Well, all right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Sonny Gulati. Congratulations, Sonny. Yeah, you can give him a round of applause. Yeah, we don't need a golf clap. Real clap. <laughs> and Sonny just won a $200 Amazon gift card from Progress Telerik just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you'd like to be a member, go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the fan club, but you got to sign up if you want to win. 
All right, Adam, it's your turn. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? Well, I think I'm, so I'm on the drone mission, so, but I don't want a yeah. bunch of drones. My, if I had $5,000, I get my commercial drone license. Yeah. Is that expensive? Is that like a pilot license? It's like, yeah, it's actually a pilot's license. So it's like $4,000 oh here goodness. in Australia. So yeah. it's not, a, that'd be a big drone. It's not cheap. <laughs> it would be a big drone, but there's lots of stuff you can't do with drones. So yeah. you can't do demos of a drone. You can't fly a drone within 30 meters of people unless you've got a commercial got license. Oh. license yeah. Can't fly it overnight. Not even a little one? Not even a little one. Really? Yeah. Can't fly them over beaches. So all the things I want to do with drones need, need, commercial, need your license for them. Yeah. I wonder if it's any different in the States. The reason that got me onto it is I saw the demo of, so Microsoft's partnered with DGI. Yeah, yeah right. And we, we're doing- we kind some, of dominate the space. Yeah, yeah. And we're kind of doing some like inspections of power lines and stuff. Mm. And, you know, big keynote and the, the product manager couldn't actually do the demo. He had to get a commercial pilot out to actually to fly it. Light, yeah. wow. And I'm like, I want to do my own demos. Yeah. There's nothing like coding a demo and people going, oh, he can actually code. I want to fly my own drones in my sure. demos. Yeah. yeah. So commercial pilot's license. That's commercial good, drone That's a good license. idea. I like that. I got a, one of the DJI drones that sparked a little one for my 50th birthday. Uh-huh. A couple years ago now. Yeah. Getting old. And uh, I'm ready to upgrade to a bigger one. <laughs> you have to appreciate it. It's like- a the, bigger birthday? Oh, well, I'm getting a bigger birthday every year. That happens whether <laughs> I want to or not. You just get used to flying it further and further away from you. Yeah. So you want the more range and the- you know, Sure. That stuff. So I want to control it with my brain. Right. Mm -hmm. And it comes back with, I want hands-free. Right. Could you do that with an emotive headset? Be a good question. Emotive. And that's, I think that's the next bot generation yeah. as well, is that I want to be able to control whether it's my drones or I want to be able to talk with my conversational agents. Well, you know, it's Facebook's the furthest ahead with this, right? Uh, so, okay. they can do eight words a minute. They can read from your brains. Wait a minute. There's a catch. Excuse me. Yep. Facebook is software. What, what are you talking about? So, there's a project at Facebook, hmm. and there's a catch with it, though. They have to insert a chip in your brain. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They're, I wondered where the hardware <laughs> link was. Yeah. <laughs> so, particularly, they're working with people with ALS. Right. And so, people who are having challenges. But it's the next generation. You can hmm. wear, a, wear a helmet now and type it like a couple of oh, I think it's a letter every couple of seconds. Wow. You're know, just wearing a headset. Wow. But, you know, all of these things are today's extreme technology is tomorrow's accessible technology. Yeah. Or abandoned, one or the other. Or right. abandoned. Right. Or, the, or it's the Google Glass. No one's going to go get a chip in their head today. Yeah. I, I, my comparison but, is always, you know, Apple Newton versus Apple iPhone, right? Yeah. Like the same company made both products. Which one succeeds? Yeah. The one with the pen. No. <laughs> <laughs> The Newton was the first pen computer, wasn't it? Yeah, it was one of them. I mean, there there was a bunch of PDAs at the time. Yeah. Newton certainly had a style about it. But it's you know, I just like reminding myself that there's no guarantees on any of this stuff. And I and I, yeah. I still feel that way about chatbots. Like I think this current mm. model, having experimented with a bunch of them as a consumer as much mm. as a developer, it's just like I don't seem to be that good. People, there's a lot of bad bots. Yeah, yeah, a, a lot of people are getting it wrong. I really think it comes down to context and, and memory mm -hmm. and, you know, not taking every sentence as if we had never spoken before. Absolutely. You know? And that's difficult to do because you now have to filter out what's significant and what's not. Yeah. I would love a bot to say, hey, that reminds me of that thing that you, you were talking about a half an hour ago. Right. You know, like real people. To do. maintain that context long term. Yeah. And I, not to put too fine a point on it, but, you know, the, the new Telerik chat controls yeah it was really interesting to look at those and realize 
in the text interface, there is cases where like dates, yeah. where it's so much easier to select a date than it is to speak a date and yeah, get it absolutely. get it right. Yeah. So there, it is interesting to think in terms of there's still a UI needed in, mm. for certain cases. And I think that the number one fail, the number one mistake that people make with bots is they let developers design bots instead of going, we need a user experience right. person to go and talk to users and find out what a user is going to say, what a user's want to right. do. And go through those use cases a few times and come to the developer with a, this is what the workflow should look like. Right? Definitely. This is what the user wants. This is how they're actually, this is how they naturally say it. Right. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, I can build a Lewis model where I can say a big long sentence and I can be really tricky and do really tricky machine learning over right. it. But that's not what users do. They say, right. oh, I want to rent a house. Yeah. And then you take it from there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, and especially when you know you're communicating with a machine, you know, you think about how people have changed language for search terms. Yeah. Mm. Well, I don't see why bots would be any different. You, you wouldn't say, I want to rent a house. You would say house rentals. Yeah. Right. Like you're doing what you would do in Google searches to a bot. And I think that's, that's part of the challenge of programming. That thing is recognizing people aren't going to speak in complete sentences or don't come speak in complete sentences. Uh, I'll tell you what, I spent the last week watching uh, Richard Morris interact with his Alexa show in the kitchen that was the first time i'd ever seen anybody use one of those things and it was actually useful mm. you know alexa five minute timer five minute timer you know call an uber how many celsius and 350 fahrenheit that kind of thing mm. just stuff like that in the kitchen how many teaspoons in a cup mm -hmm. and then on top of that that sort of got me writing so i did a i did my own alexa thing i was talking about it last show for music to flow by. So I found that the model easy to work with, and especially with Tim Hewer's uh, Alexa.net with Web API, it's very easy to hook up a good backend to it that doesn't involve an unfamiliar landscape. Awesome. So it was cool and very cool. And, and you can just make your own sort of private conversations and skills that you can persist stuff in a database, which is what I did to have a context and to have memory. And you get past a user ID, which doesn't change. And from there, you know, you, you just have an identity and you can, can keep a context. It was really, really easy awesome. and powerful and got me thinking about what I'm going to do next with that at home. Mm. Yeah. There's the voice command stuff and there's yeah. the chat bot stuff, which tends to be more text-based. Are we conjoining two different texts or is it, do you, is it really I, in the end the same thing? So my, most of my experience is with the Azure services. Right. And the way that the Azure services work is essentially you go and build whatever your enterprise API is that does all of your real work, talks yeah. to whatever your enterprise systems mm -hmm. are. But then you go and build the bot and the bot maintains yeah. the state that then is talking back to those backend services. And once right. you've got that bot, so we call it the bot connector, you then can just go and it's more or less it's tick it and flick. Anything. I want to expose it on Slack, Teams, Skype, a web chat text message, yeah. Facebook, Cortana, Siri, Cortana, all of those kind of things. So text, 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 but then there's also voice, voice, voice. But then there's also voice, voice, voice. Right. And that's kind of where a lot of the enterprises are getting into it because they want to go, I want to stick a, a bot on my web app, but I want to also put it in my iOS app. Right. And when, when people call the IVR and they, you know, we want to say, you know, press one for banking, press two for insurance and press three for loans, but they really just want to build one bot and then surface it through different channels. Yep. I certainly wouldn't want to write it more than once. No, yeah. definitely not. But again, you get into interesting user interface problems. Like if you're doing a package tracking app, reading a package tracking number, whether you type it or speak it, like that sucks. 
Mm. You know, a 16-digit number with a couple of letters thrown in? Like, the, the chances of getting that right in either scenario are low. Mm. Then try doing it with an Aussie accent. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, it, All right, isn't that a problem? It is absolutely a problem. I do a, a demo Which, where, you know, it's very easy out to build a bot. And, you know, I'll start off and I'll go, hola, and then it'll convert to Spanish. And I'll yeah. say, ciao. And then, but then I say, good day. <laughs> 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 That's not a word. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how to help you with that. <laughs> so, do we have to declare Australian a language? Is that the solution? I'm building custom models. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just have to have, you know, slang vernacular filters. So yeah, absolutely. Thing. Yeah. yeah. It's sort of an interesting truth. Well, and English is the worst in a lot of respects in terms so, of the accents yeah. all around. Although I did this stint in March, I was in Yakutia in Eastern Russia where it's all Asian faces and almost Asian accents, but they're all speaking Russian. Really? And so it was shocking to me just to realize, well, we're all speaking Russian. I had a translator who was keeping me going, but there are accents mm. to Russian. Mm. I'm sure there's accents to everything. It's just a question whether you hear it whether, or not. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah. yeah, English is spread. There's so many different flavors of English. Well, it's the thing I like about the Google Speech API, which I did a lot of work with as well, is that when you translate or, you know, either if it's an audio stream or a file, you tell it what language and what flavor of what language. So for English, you have Canadian English. Hmm. <laughs> this you means we put U's in words. Australian <laughs> A, Australian, <laughs> Irish and UK and like all the different flavors of English. You know, there's a different translator for that. So that's really cool. Whereas I don't know if this is the, the case with Bing speech. But I didn't notice that there was a place to say, you know, what my here, culture here was. Here, what yeah. it actually is. Mm. Yeah. And this is the reason I brought up the Aussie accent thing is because I noticed that Richard Morris was having a hard time with <laughs> trying to call was he, new was he putting on an American accent <laughs> no, to no, talk to the machine? No, I don't know. He says, you say it. Call an Uber. I'm sorry. I don't understand. Call an Uber. <laughs> Alexa, call an Uber. <laughs> Here's Uba Uba Duba Duba from George Jetson, right? It's like, Alexa, stop. It's <laughs> hilarious. At least when we were typing to our computers, we were frustrated quietly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now we're going to be frustrated very noisily. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know if there's good answers there. I don't either. I just wonder, you know, we started off with this whole, are we in the trough of disillusionment? As we, as we climb into the reality of this thing, it's it just a question of whether it goes away or becomes a staple. Because mm. I do think it can save companies money, you know? Absolutely. And if you can really take your sort of tier one support stuff off of a human, mm. so it's like 75% of the questions customers have get solved electronically, yep. that's got to be worth some money. Well, HP ditched 70% of their frontline support. Ah, excellent. So we're getting so, right down to the brass tacks of we write software so people can be fired. Well, they say that they save 70% of frontline support so now customers get answers quicker and their support technicians can spend more time on tier two support. Ah, okay. Isn't that the... Yeah. <laughs> I realize, having been in the software stick for literally more than 40 years now, it's like we have always been responsible for automating work. Mm. Yeah. The, it's semantics as to whether that actually, you know, got someone laid off versus another person never got hired. Mm. But it's that kind of semantics. But it feels like we're coming to a point where it is very, very clear 
about the impact on work for a lot of this kind of automation. Mm. And these bots are pretty direct. Like that is a mappable job. It used to be a person that answered the phone. Right. And now it's it's a piece of software. And mm. it's a crappy job, but some people that's that's it. That's, that's all their they work. have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Can I take a minute and show off my Alexa skill? Oh, that would be awesome. Wouldn't oh that my. be cool? All right. So here we go. This is on my Samsung S8 Plus. Alexa, play music to flow by. Oh, I know that one. That's blue. Yeah? Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Ooh. All right. Next. I did next. That's the next one. Is it orange? Why do I know yeah. this? I think it's orange. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, anyway. Alexa, stop. I thought that was pretty cool. That's, Tim that's very cool. Yeah, Tim that's Alexa.net. Is it a bot? Well, on the back end, yeah. On the back end, it's a bot that has a voice interface. But what I did was I abstracted away the what it actually does mm -hmm. from the interface. So, and I think that's a really smart thing to do anyway, because the back end is the bot, right? The thing that takes some text coming in and gives you some text coming out, that's your bot. Right. It's Whatever. kind of the front back end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the front half of the back end, sure. Because I think that's the thing is you're going to have behind that, you're going to, oh, so I'm, I'm in enterprise in the enterprise space so it's kind of that i kind of think people are going to go and they're going to have whether you're building it's the same thing we've been saying around you know angular and react yeah. the important thing is you need a really solid api that all of you know that exposes all of your services sure. and now we've kind of got another a layer it's yeah. really it's just it's another just another layer yeah that's your right. front it's kind of that's a, it's kind of the front yeah. end that accesses that you go through to then get through to that well, and you probably went through this process when you added a web interface onto your internal application mm -hmm. when you added a mobile interface onto your internal mm -hmm. application yep. and now it's just a chat interface like if you've right. done your work on the services side it's just yet another exposure to the api speech as a ui mm -hmm. it's yeah. the new angular or the new react right. and then whatever the next interface is but the come next along. one's going to be have you actually done these sort of pop-up on a web page type bots that customers hey is anything i can help you with no oh, God, i hate them the only thing worse than those things popping up is making the mistake of typing to them. It's like answering a phone where you're not expecting to call. There's no call you want that is coming to you out of surprise. The chances of that being the good are low. The world didn't learn from Clippy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, was Cl Clippy was the first main bot. Clippy was, was the original bot. It was the original bot. Well, Microsoft yeah, Bob, maybe. Bob didn't go. Yeah. You know, the thing is, Clippy shipped for a few years. <laughs> I think right. Bob sort of popped it and went, oh, sorry, and went away. <laughs> the funniest thing I ever heard about Clippy was when Clippy died, right? It's like, uh, hey, is that a business or a personal grave you're digging? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to help you with that. What's that for? You almost wonder if it couldn't make a comeback. You know, the, well, the body side of working on a document in general, just that whole. I don't know. There might be too much old pain at Microsoft <sighs> around that for them to bring back. I up. think I like the dog well, better the Cortana anyway. is really. So if as long as it's a halo character is acceptable. Yeah, right. that's right. Yeah. One little thing from Staples, not good a enough. A smiling paperclip. Yeah, mm, not good enough. Nope, no, too happy for an office supply. Yeah, I know. I, I'm with you. So what's next for you, Adam? So taking bots has kind of got me into that next UI mm -hmm. and that kind of drew me down the conversational path. And that kind of really ties in really tightly with using a lot of the cognitive services. It's the 
Yeah. You know, I'm not a deep machine learning guy. I don't want to. Yeah. I work with those guys and they're freaks. <laughs> like, <that's>, <laughs> <laughs> like you got to be a special hardcore. That's a special skill. It's its own glossary, you know, a whole other set of language right. and way to think and so forth. Like, it's um, not, a, not a small commitment. No. But you can do amazing things with just the cognitive services, RESTful APIs. True. Right. So, I think tying all of those things together with a lot, doing, there's more and more IoT. Mm-hmm. In the last six months, yeah. lots of really interesting IoT scenarios coming around. Yeah. So, kind of tying in that I want to be hands off, I want to have devices, I want right. to be disconnected and using machine learning. And that's mm. why I kind of went, it's got to be on drones, doesn't it? Well, certainly <laughs> in a way. So. It's just a question of whether it has to be a flying drone because of all the hazards and the noise. And Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, now that we have the waterfront thing, I'm sort of thinking about an underwater drone. Like something yeah. I can go down and sort of check the crab trap. Otter cams. Yeah. They, they, I don't want the otter to steal a flipping thing, but <laughs> yeah, I would like to go. It. I'm lazy enough that I don't actually have to go out in the boat and pull the crab trap up. If I could just uh-huh. drive, a, drive a sub out, check the trap, go, oh, there's food in here, and you then have, go out and get it. Wait a minute. You have crab trap? Yeah, sure. So for like, the beautiful crabs that you have out yeah, there. What Dungeness. They? Dungeness. Yeah, Dungeness. Yeah, catch wow. Dungeness yeah. crabs right after. Yeah. Oh, when when am I coming over? For uh, dinner, I don't know. Man? It's, they're delicious. <laughs> but there's two problems. The first is, you know, you don't know when you've caught a crab, but it, you only have so long before the crab is gone. Because yeah. we also have the Great Pacific octopus, oh. and they love Dungeness crabs, and they can get in and out of the trap no problem. So sometimes really? I catch crab shells. <laughs> a little note from the octopus going, "Thanks for lunch." <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, man, Adam, it's been great talking to you. Guys, thank you very much for having me on the show. Really enjoyed geeking out with you. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a